The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 23, Murder House Part 3. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, we're currently looking for more personal ghost stories, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to thenightowlpodcast.com, click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. We'd love to consider it for the show. Tonight, in this final installment, the team and I will take you through the journey we all experienced trying to help Martin and his family cope with the unsettling phenomena they were all experiencing in their home, which was the site of a recent unsolved double homicide. And after a strange turn of events, uncovering that the activity Martin has been experiencing may have nothing to do with the murders, but instead an older male presence tied to this property. The team and I are left with the hope that we'd help the family start moving in the right direction for dealing with what's been affecting them so negatively. But shortly after our visit with Sarah, I began getting texts and calls from Martin, and I could sense fear, anger, and nervousness in his voice. The activity had not stopped. It had actually gotten worse. And inevitably, in the days to follow, my team and I would go through our most grueling investigation to date, traveling out of town for more visits as we tried to get to the bottom of what's really going on in this home. Why this male presence was fixated on Martin, and what, if any role, the murders might play in this unsettling case. Stay tuned. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order, so we highly recommend that you stop here and begin your journey with us on Episode 1, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. And before we begin the show, let's run through some of the most important updates and announcements for all the great things that are coming this October with the show. First up, we need everyone listening to this episode right now who lives in the Austin area to take immediate action for us. We got incredible news that we've been nominated and are in the final round of voting for Best Local Podcast in the Austin Chronicles Best of 2019 ballot. This is huge for us, especially being an indie podcast with not even a second full season under our belt. But the nomination really doesn't help us much. We need to win. So please help us right now by hitting pause and going and casting your vote for us right now. I have a link to the ballot directly on our homepage of our site, thenightoutpodcast.com, or you can visit austinchronicle.com and click on the link to vote. We are under the politics and media section and in the local podcast category under The Night Out. Voting ends on October 7th, so please don't wait. We need your vote to win. Thank you all for being such amazing listeners and helping us get so far in just two seasons. Next up, our official Night Owl live event, A Nightmare on Fruit Street happening at the Spider House on October 12th, has sold out of main event tickets. This means that there are no more seats available for our ghost storytelling segment of the night, but we will still have $5 wristbands available that get you into everything else. With wristbands, you can still come and hang out with the Night Owl crowd and take part in our live music, Halloween costume contest, free photo booth, our spooky raffle, and our awesome Market of the Macabre with tarot readers and booths selling oddities and curiosities. There are only a limited amount of wristbands left, so go now to thenightoutpodcast.com slash events and grab them while you still can. Thirdly, we will be hosting another Night of Ghost Stories at the 26th Annual Austin Film Festival at the incredible and historic State Theater downtown Austin. This event will happen on Halloween night, but the time is still to be determined. 
It's tentatively looking to be around 8 p.m. So mark those calendars and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Night Owl Podcast to get the latest news and updates with our shows and happenings. Event tickets and passes will be made available on Austin Film Festival's website, but when they go live, I will be sure to post on our website's homepage, thenightowlpodcast.com. We're also still accepting entries for live storytellers for this event, so if you have a ghost story and are ready to share it on the big stage, submit your story in writing to thenightowlpodcast.com slash submit. Big bonus, if you're selected to be a storyteller at this event, you'll win an Austin Film Festival producer's badge, which is the highest level all-access badge to the fest, valued at $650. It's incredible. So send me those ghost stories, and let's all get ready for a night of ghost stories at the State Theater this Halloween. Lastly, we'll be taking part in a fun Austin Public Library after dark event called Spooky Scary. We'll have a booth showing off some of our evidence, techniques, and methods, as well as some ways to test your own psychic ability. This event is also doing an indoor mock campfire, so bring your ghost stories because we'll be listening out for great ones to include in our show. Outside our booth, there will be many others at this event where you can learn about tarot, UFOlogy, and take a peek at some ancient spirit writing devices from the Mysterious Planchette Collection. This event will be held at the Central Library in Austin on October 25th from 7 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $7 and you can grab them at tinyurl.com slash APL Spooky Scary. That's tinyurl.com slash APL Spooky Scary. I'll also have a link to this event on the nightoutpodcast.com homepage. The team and I can't wait to see you at our mini events this October. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs and always delivered on time. Oboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. Mention the Night Owl podcast and get $50 off your first order. As you'll recall, this case had fallen into our hands in an unusual way. John at a local green and white botanica had put one of his customers who was having strange phenomena in his home in touch with our team member Alexis for a potential cleansing. Come to find out, the activity and violent history of the home drew up a bunch of red flags for Alexis, and he wanted the whole team to get involved on this one. We did and learned of the unsettling activity that Martin and some of his family were experiencing. To make matters worse, the home had a dark past. A recent unsolved double homicide occurred within its walls. But with the activity being reported, and Alexis and I's first visit without Sarah, we deduced that this case might not have anything to do with the murders or the poor victims of this senseless crime. And when Sarah came to investigate on her second trip, it appeared this hunch of ours was correct. She found an older male presence there, most likely Hispanic, who was the culprit behind most of the scary activity in the home, and who also seemed to be targeting Martin solely. We worked with Martin to help him understand that the presence just needed to have boundaries set, and that he needed to remain strong and actually perform the cleansings that Alexis had shown him on our last visit. With us guiding him that night, he did a complete Palo Santo cleansing of the home, and we left feeling that we'd made a big step in the right direction for remedying the issues that Martin was facing. But just four days following our visit, I got this phone call from him. What's happening? What's going on? He's been lying. Who has? He has been lying to everybody. Who's he? The man is lying to Sarah. He is not what he says he is. 
How do you know? Do you have other information? I, I already went to somebody else today, and I know why I passed out. And you've been following me now. Who did you go see, and like, what what did they tell you? He is a man that that's all he does. He's like he's an older man. He followed me there to his house. He was there in the same room as me and that man. He threw my dog earlier. He threw my dog, my little dog, he threw it. Really? Just earlier that happened around 4.35 maybe. That's why I left. I saw blood coming out from the concrete in the garage where I was working. It started coming out from the concrete. That happened on Saturday. I was working on the car. I continued finishing the car that I was working on in the rain outside. I ignored it. I left because I had to work. I did not clean it up. I did not clean it up. It is not there no more. There is no sign of blood in the garage at all. And when I showed Veronica that it was gone, when we tried to go inside the house, my dog was thrown and Veronica saw him and the the girl that said she never saw anything before, she stared at him in disbelief because she saw him get thrown. Which girl was it the, um, you're talking about her daughter? Yes, she saw it now. I don't want to stay here tonight, but I'm yeah. going to anyways because I am the one that's going to protect this house is what the man told me. Are you, how are you feeling? A little stressed out. You don't have any other place to go, though, do you? I do, my parents' house, but I'm not taking my family out of here because this is our house. And he's going to mess with me tonight. I, I know so because he was messing with me at that man's house. And that man's house is very, very protected. And if he was messing with me and him at his house, I can only imagine what's going to happen right now in about an hour. He starts to mess with me around 11 or 11.30. He messes with me all day. Okay, but 11, 11.30 is when he starts with me the most. He is not a good spirit. The man that is here at my house is lying to Sarah. It's all false information? Um, not all of it, but yeah. some of it. The man okay. is a, was a rancher. He wore um, a taro hat all the time, and he is a lot stronger than he shows to be. That's why I passed out. How's the family feeling right now? Everybody, I mean, they're kind of like giggling a little bit, you know, here and there because they're spooked, you know? Yeah. Because everybody already sees it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I heard him breathing. Yeah. Whenever I started telling him what was happening, ever this and that, and he was giving me all the information, all the information that was false that he was giving us, he started breathing all loud, all loud, all loud, and it started getting like like a pant. And then he started hearing all these things like moving around in his house and, you know, and banging and stuff. And his house, man, the first thing he told me was get out and move and leave this house. And I told him, like, I feel like I can't. Like, I need mm -hmm. the help. He gave me some stuff that I have to start doing on, on Friday, on Good Friday. And he told me, this wasn't coincidence. This was perfect timing. I mean, this is the Holy Week. So everything I'm doing has to start on Friday. The first night that we left, how did it? How did everything feel the first night we left? The first night was good. I slept good that night, yes. Yeah. 
This call was tough to read. Martin was relaying some very disturbing information regarding heightened activity in the home since we left. His dog being thrown and the appearing and then vanishing blood in the garage. But then we're getting information from a third-party psychic or healer that Martin is now seeing outside of our team. And with this information, I have to take it all with a grain of salt and be very skeptical with it. We don't know who this spiritual practitioner is, how accurate their readings are, and if they're even accurate at all. But there was one thing on this call I couldn't deny, and that was that Martin sounded scared and desperate. Two things you never want anyone to feel in their own home. So I wanted to get Alexis on the phone right away to get his thoughts on all that I just heard and his overall impressions of how we left things on our last visit. So I think that there's still going to be some issues, mostly because Martin doesn't seem to be confident enough just yet with doing the Palo Santo around his house. And so there may be some problems because as much as I like that he did it when we were there, I feel like he's not doing it. When, when we're not there, he's not doing it. So I think that's the issue. And because of that, there may be some problems. I also don't feel like he is 100% confident. Like he has been told so much by his grandmother and by his friends and everything that he's just kind of not confident in what Sarah is saying just yet. And I think that we'll definitely need to kind of go back and take a look and see what else we can do to help him with that. My plan now was to get Sarah on the phone next. But before I could even pick up my phone to check in with her, my phone began ringing, and it was Martin again. Apparently, he and Veronica had just gotten into a big fight. My, my parents were at the house right now. Me and Veronica were just in a giant fight just now, out of nowhere. See, the thing is, Veronica, Veronica sees it happen. Veronica is acting like it's not true. She's treating me like I'm crazy, man. I want Veronica to be somebody I can... I don't know. Yeah. Who can at least be like, you're okay, Martina. Everything's going to be okay. At least, yeah. at least, I, I want at least that. Like, I don't see it. You do. Okay. Everything will be fine, Martina. Because I feel like I wander in and I kind of get lost in there at the same house. I'm not, I have no ability in that realm, right? I don't get these things. But I do have some good instincts. And my instincts are telling me that the next time we see you, we need to see you not at the house. He, he, he fucks with me too much at the house, man. After this call, I really wanted to address whatever this was as fast as I could. We all had our busy schedules, but this new information was really bothering me. Sarah had said on multiple occasions on our last visit that this older male presence would be the reason for arguments that seemed to arise out of nowhere. He liked to mess with Martin this way, she said. The fight Martin and Veronica just had could just be due to an issue within their relationship. But when I spoke to Veronica separately on the phone, she admitted that the argument came out of nowhere and didn't make much sense to her either. So I needed to update Sarah, but I didn't want her to know anything other than that things weren't going so well for Martin. And from there, I wanted to see what she said on her own. I was quite surprised with a lot of things that Sarah ended up revealing to me on this call. So here's the thing. I don't know if you remember me telling you I was a little uneasy when we did the Palo Santo walkthrough through his house. Because when he initially started going down the living room, all of a sudden I saw this, like a shadow on his body. And I was telling her and I said, that's kind of weird. I'm seeing this really weird shadow on him that wasn't there before. And that's why I had him pull the Palo Santo closer to himself 
and I was kind of looking at it, and then it kind of, the shadow kind of went away. I have this little feeling that's telling me that that spirit is able to hide on him somehow. The same kind of thing happened when we were at the residence in New Braunfels, where we were going through the house with the Palo Santo, and he was trying to hide behind the person. So I'm wondering if he says that things have escalated a little bit, if it's because we didn't really get rid of the spirit he hid on him. Okay, I have an idea. And honestly, now, now hearing you say that, I think it's the best idea. Like, I think it should do this now. I want him to meet us somewhere else. Like, I want him yes. to come to Austin and meet us at Spider House or something and just sit down. Yes, that was exactly what I was going to tell you. Can we okay. see him outside of the house? I don't know. I just don't feel like we're getting the whole picture or something. It feels no. weird. So I feel like I like I, like I kind of kind of got played a little bit. That's what it is. I feel like I got played. Like I got shown something I just I needed to see to get rid of me. Without giving Sarah any of the detailed information that Martin had given me on our last calls, she was picking up on the fact that she'd been played. And on Martin's previous phone call, he literally said the words, he's lying to Sarah. I wanted to update Alexis on all this new information that had unfolded in the past 24 hours, so I gave him a quick ring. So I, I worry about this because I feel like Martin may be going through what we refer to in the in the field as obsession. And for those that like practice demonology, they know that there are like many phases of possession, right? There's like, there's the beginning phase where it's like the haunted phase, then there's obsession, and then finally possession. So when you're obsessed with a spirit, it basically puts you in that, that mind state of constantly thinking about the spirit, and then the spirit gets attached. And let's say you like spirit attachment, and you know, and, and that's usually like a minor thing. That's that's minor. The spirit attachment is minor. It's something that can actually be, can be taken care of by, you know, a cleansing or something like that. So with this whole idea of what Sarah said about maybe the possibility of the spirit kind of going in him or, or kind of hiding around him, I'm, I'm afraid that that's kind of what's happening with like that earlier onset idea of obsession. So my things become obsessed with the spirit. And then the next phase of the possession, this is when the spirit would try to either attach itself completely to the point where, you know, Martin's thoughts wouldn't even be his own. It would be the spirit itself that's attached to him. And if the spirit is actually not human, then it makes it a lot worse because it could be demonic. And then in that case, it leads to demonic possession. So that worries me, that whole, that whole conversation. So I think it's important to, to see him away from the home because if it is obsession, if he really is obsessed with the spirit, then it would be with him everywhere. Like if, if, the, if the spirit was there, it would be with him everywhere. So if we go to a different location and meet up with him there, then that he would be acting exactly the same way. But if he's only acting like that around his house, then that means the spirit is still technically in the in the home, so there's there's not as much reason to worry. So I think it'd be important to definitely see him outside of his own home location for sure. I spoke to Martin and he agreed to make a trip up to Austin on April nineteenth. We'd meet at a neutral location, and Sarah requested a place other than the Spider House simply because she needed to try to avoid a spiritually active spot so she could concentrate. 
So I chose a local coffee shop and Thai food joint I frequent called Thai Fresh. Here, we'd soon find out if the shadow presence Sarah saw around Martin at the house was still with him or not. So what I was uh, telling Stephen is I did leave. I mentioned a couple times that I was a little uneasy when we left. There were some things that kind of didn't align when we were there, right? And I didn't want to, because I knew we were going to come back. It's not a, I mean, we usually come back to just check in and do that stuff. So I wanted to see what was, kind of pace it out and see what was going to happen before I jumped to too many conclusions. So initially, when we encouraged you to clean with the Palo Santo, what caught my attention, and I grabbed my husband when you were in the living room, in exactly the same spot that you later said, when I was right there, I felt really sad. I had told my husband, I was like, I said, look, I said, this is what I'm seeing. There's like an extra person standing right next to him, following him around. And what concerned me at the moment, which is you're going to realize, oh, that's why she did that. You had a distance between you and the smoke. And that's why when you came around, I said, can you move it closer to yourself? The look on your face was like, why would you even ask me to do that? But then your body, even though you moved, you, your version was still present. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I just needed to test the theory. And then you continued. So my theory, and right now it's almost holding to be true, is that it's not the house. It's on you. And so even now, walking up, there's a second person behind you. The news was not exactly what any of us wanted to hear, but we now needed a plan of action. We didn't want to talk about all of our thoughts in front of Martin. It was already frightening enough for him, but we knew we were going to go back to the house tonight. I told Alexis that I'd call him and get the details from him so Martin in this presence wouldn't hear anything that was going to go down tonight. So it seems like Sarah is seeing that he, Martin is actually like connected to the spirit through a tether. And because of that, she thinks it's vital that we, like, go to the house, break that tether, and then she wants me to perform a cleansing on him to just kind of remove everything else from him. So I have my kit with me, and I plan on kind of going and going along and see what we can do. We packed up our things and hit the road. My mind was racing with thoughts. I wasn't sure who this male presence really was. We hadn't gotten much information from him from Sarah only that he was older and possibly Hispanic from the Mexican actor references he gave her and also his appearance. But there was something bothering me about this spirit. I had gotten a hold of David, the parts guy who delivers parts to Martin's house. He's an older guy who's been in the town a long time, and he's the one who knew of the older Hispanic man who used to live in Martin's house, the man who passed away years ago. On a call, this is what David revealed to me. Martin, I met him through parts. I deliver parts to his house. You know, the very first time this happened, I was delivering parts. And the first time I went there, I went to, I was supposed to take a left and I took a right. And my scanner is telling me, you know, go, I'm going the wrong way, so I stopped. I grabbed my own phone and I made the phone call. And I looked at my invoice and I said, okay. I dial it. Somebody picks up the phone and goes, you got the wrong number, you better stop calling this number. And I go, okay, I'm sorry. And I said, man, I screwed up, man. I hit the wrong number or something. So I 
redial it, and I was very careful to write the same numbers, and I looked. I said, okay. I hit it again. The phone rings. Somebody picks it up. He goes, I told you to stop calling this number. And I turned the phone off. I said, God damn it. What the hell with this shit? I'll just try to find it. And I found the house, and I got off. And when I got there, Martina and his mom were in the backyard. And I was over there trying to get their attention so I could deliver parts and get back to the store. And Martin comes over here, and I introduce myself. And I said, man, I just I called the house, and they somebody answered, uh, you got the wrong number, stop calling, you know. But rude. He goes, what? He goes, my phone's over there on the table. And we walked, and the phone was over there. And Martina walked straight to where I was at. How did the voice sound? Do you remember anything about the voice in particular? Other than I don't know. Mad? It just sounded like they were mad right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you got the wrong number. Don't call this number again. I said, I'm sorry. So I hang up and I read down and I was very careful to look at my invoice. Shit, that's the right number. I was like, oh, yeah, my phone's in the garage. And I went to go get it from the garage and I had no missed calls. And then he called my phone number, and my phone rang. Yeah, this family, they lived there probably forever. They were in their mid-60s, Hispanic. And I know the guy had cancer and had passed away. He was a, a tall man, always wore a cowboy hat. Man, it probably was somewhere in the, I would say, in the late 70s, early 80s, somewhere in that area. Oh, so he passed away then, like a long time ago. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. To me, he, was, uh, he wasn't as friendly. He would say hi, and that was about it. But the one that was real friendly was his wife. She was real friendly all the time. To me, he was just more quiet. I didn't know him, but just, you know, the appearance of somebody when you know they're friendly or they're not. After speaking with David, a few things didn't really line up for me. With the information that Sarah had relayed about this older male presence, we theorized that the presence appeared to be this older Hispanic male from the home's past. Martin had also led us to believe this as well. But through this conversation with David, I learned of this Hispanic man's name, and it was not Mario or Fortino. In fact, there was no M or F in the name at all. Also, Sarah had described the man as shorter, whereas David clearly stated he was a tall man. The only two connecting thoughts here were that he was on the property a long time, he was older like Sarah was sensing, and the cowboy hat had me thinking as well. Sarah said he appeared to be a rancher. But in all, I wasn't convinced that we were dealing with the spirit of this older man who passed away around the 70s. But the strange occurrences surrounding the house continued, and even David had felt he had a strange experience with the phone calls. So something wasn't right and we were going to have to tread carefully and strategically approach all of our next steps tonight. But I had confidence in our team and that Alexis and Sarah would know what to do and how to do it when we arrived. When we got to the house late that night, Alexis and Sarah prepared for some cleansings, so I stepped away to ask Veronica to update me on whatever came with a leak in the bathroom and to get her account of what happened with the dog being thrown. That water thing, did y'all have someone come out and look at we it? We had someone come Can out and look at it. Can you tell me what happened? Um, they said that a pipe was messed up, and then they said the drain was messed up. But honestly, honestly, they're not plumbers, so I don't know. But all they did was seal the pipe. We can't use that shower. So I don't know what the deal was on that. 
but it was never fixed. They and they came several times. And for some reason they would come in the evening and they would lose their things. They'd bring stuff in and they're like, what do I do with this? And then they have to come out to their truck and they're like, well, we had it. And then they would have to leave. So on several occasions, they had to leave three or four times where they would buy stuff and it wasn't the right thing and they'd have to come back. And they were like really weird about coming into the house. Um, I don't know if it's because they know the story to the house, but even the friend plumber guy of the landlord, he came in and he seemed really spooked as well. And he didn't want to stay long. It was kind of like real cold. Hey, you know, I'm here. I'm going to go in. He couldn't find his stuff. And then the landlord called Martin. He couldn't find his wallet. He had his wallet. He couldn't find it at home. He had just went to Lowe's, went back to Lowe's, you know, like he's hasn't been able to he had to go get everything again because he he brought it here and nobody knows what happened to it some of their tools nobody knows what happened to it so that was a little weird um and they just kind of like i said stopped that pipe covered it so we wouldn't be able to use the shower and when we've called them to come and fix it they're like we'll go over tomorrow we'll go over next week they won't come back so the floor didn't get ripped up They just patched the line and made the shower in that bathroom off-limits. But in all honesty, this might have been the best thing. With our lack of understanding of what this male presence really wants, we didn't want Martin to be digging or looking anymore. Not until we knew more about his intentions. But another interesting note here is the fact that the landlord and his friend had a lot of trouble working in the house, losing items, including one of their wallets. This aligned with Martin's reports of losing things, most often his keys, I now asked Veronica about what recently happened with their little dog, who they call Baby. We were all outside, and I came in. Baby went running, and it was just, I mean, he was running, and then all of a sudden it looked like he was up, and then his head just went boom right into the the stair. And then he fell back, and then he, like, kind of shook it off and ran off. But I was like, did y'all see that? Everybody's like, yeah. I was like, I mean, it just, it was really, really weird. So this was pretty substantial to me. Veronica, up until now, had denied a lot of what Martin had experienced because she herself hadn't witnessed it. But in this case, both she and her daughter saw their dog, Baby, get thrown on the stairs just a few nights back. Alexis and Sarah were now ready. They had worked up a plan to address all the new concerns one stage at a time. First, Alexis was going to make some offerings to the land to invite the ancient spirits in to aid us in tonight's work. Then he would perform a powerful individual cleansing on Martin, one specifically aimed at dispelling negative energies. Lastly, Sarah would take Martin inside and perform a limpia to break the tether she believed the male spirit had on Martin. This, in theory, would allow Martin a clear mind and spirit to perform a very specific ritual that his curandero, or spiritual practitioner, had instructed him to perform this very night, Good Friday, which is a holy day. Martin explained the ritual, and Alexis knew of it and agreed that it was something he would highly recommend Martin do after we left tonight. I need to get seven white candles with the white wax, put them in a circle, and get a a clear glass with no design on it and just straight solid. Fill it up with water, put it in the center, but I have to make an altar where I can, I guess, put put all the stuff there and make the offering. 
the candles will start to turn off on their own, but it's up to me to make sure they all stay lit. And I have to ask God to please take the spirit back. In theory, they're giving you the strength and cutting him off so you can just do this without interruption, without things getting in your head, without things making you second guess what you're doing with those candles in the water, you know what I mean? So that way you can just do that pure as yourself and no, no other outside influences. Well, I mean, the spirit is associated with the property itself because they're constantly, like they know the area, they're familiar with the space. So I know that's where he's tied to and I think he just gravitated to the open door that Martin offered. Sarah was still sensing that the smell spirit originated on this property. It wasn't something that just randomly attached itself to Martin. So the ceremony with the land offerings tonight seemed like a good start. Alexis began at the front of the house and made some offerings to the large tree in the front yard. Then he made his way around back to continue the ceremony. It was there that Sarah began seeing something she's never described before. From here on out, we refer to them as elementals, but they are better known as land spirits. And while Alexis, myself, and Sarah were all standing in the dark in the far back end of the backyard, Sarah and Alexis both got a very strong sense that we were standing where the old man was buried. What the There's hell something is buried on the property. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. It's right here. They were going in here. What did they look like? They were like little smoky people. Small ones just kind of running. They looked like people. And some of them were running on fours and some of them were running on like on arms and legs. And then some were just running regular. Elementals are more animal-like. Spirits of the land. They're very strong. They don't have human temperament. Does that make sense? Yeah. They, they, they have their own agenda. They do whatever they want to do. That's just crazy. I've never seen them before. I've never seen them running on all fours like that. And the passerbys are gathering. Yeah. We returned to the front yard where Alexis was going to perform the strong cleansing over Martin. And just real quick, Alexis, what is this that you're going to do? This is a, like a limpia, what we also refer to as a sajumiero, which means like a limpia with smoke. And we're using estroike, which gets rid of a lot of dark stuff. We're using copal. I'm using a little bit of sage. And I actually am burning a little bit of ruda from your property because that's part of your property, so it's connected. So that's important to me. It's a good sign because okay. I did. I was worried that I, he was going to be on while I was doing the breaking it, and he's left. So that is awesome. Did you feel anything different? Is it? How does it feel right now for you? I want to cry. 
and I felt a lot of stuff here on my lower back, and I could feel where he was going to be. The last step in this process was for Sarah to perform a ceremony, a cleansing or limpia to break the tether on Martin. I'm going to break that tether, that tie that's bringing him back to you, okay? And the whole time you're laying there, I just want you to think, break. Imagine a little thin yellow line between you and something else. Break the line. Offer it away from you. Offer it into the light. So somewhere in the back of your mind, somewhere in that back of your head, I need you to see a light, a really bright one. Tear the tether and push whatever is on the other end into that light. Sarah performed the last limpia on Martin that night to break the tether once and for all. And when it was done, we left Martin to do the final ritual his practitioner had instructed him to perform that night. We called it a night and would check back in to see how things were going in the days to come. But in the back of my mind, something told me this wasn't our last visit to this house. Amongst many of my thoughts revolving around this case was still the knowledge of the murders and the fact that Sarah still hadn't really picked up on them other than the screaming from the stone. But Alexis and I believe that once the stronger male presence was subdued to some degree, maybe, just maybe, the presence of one or both of the murder victims might come through to Sarah. And about a week later, I'd get the first sign of this on a follow-up call to Sarah. The Olympia, all it did was break the tether that the spirit had on Muffy. What the other, what the other man instructed him to do the, is, is what was going to open the door to get rid of the spirit. So all I did was break the tether. It was Martin's job to get rid of the spirit. I just need to know, did he really do it? Did it really happen? And the only way I'll know is by seeing them again. And the fact that Martin already has a family, I guess if you want to say like a family lineage and all of this stuff, and he has not made the effort to learn how to handle it, it's going to continue. I mean, the property itself has so many things going on. There's been more than one death on that property. And so weeding through that and how those deaths happened are what's kind of bothering me because they're very strange. They're not all like natural causes. It was an old guy sitting outside, had a heart attack. No, none of that. These are all very traumatic deaths in different stages. So that's another thing that I have to kind of deal with with the property itself. When we get back from this short break, the team and I continue our quest to get as many answers as we can before ending this case. I dig deeper into conversations with Sarah about these traumatic deaths she's been sensing on the property. We pry for more truths behind the older presence that targeted and attached itself to Martin. And lastly, with the help of another veteran psychic in the field, we uncover more clues to the mysteries surrounding everything still hanging in the air on this unsettling case. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop, custom printed t-shirts made in Austin with love. Now, there are many reasons why I love this family-owned print shop and why Oh Boy is my go-to shop for all things Night Owl, but let me pick one to rave to you about today. Have you ever ordered custom tees from an event or bought some from your favorite band or company, only to realize that they're thick, scratchy, and look like you're wearing a bag that isn't very flattering on you? Well, that's one thing that won't happen to you when you're with Oh Boy Print Shop. 
they offer a variety of t-shirts to provide the right choice to meet your needs. I myself prefer comfortable, slightly fitted tees that look and feel awesome enough to wear every day, either by themselves or under a throwover shirt or sweater. Old Boy Print Shop helped me pick out a tee that fit those needs, and honestly, when I open my closet in the morning, I skip all my other tees and go straight for the Night Owl shirt because it's the most comfortable and flattering tee in my entire closet now. Old Boy's aim is to provide you with the options that help you get the product that meets your every need. So, there's no more need for hesitating. Order your first batch of custom printed tees with Oboy Print Shop today, and you'll be in great hands. Plus, now you can get $50 off your first order by simply mentioning the Night Owl Podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit oboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. Another thing that keeps this show going is listeners going and supporting our show by grabbing a drink off our special hidden spirits menu at the Clay Pit in Austin, Texas. The menu features four uniquely crafted cocktails inspired by our show and the spirits that we discovered haunting the Clay Pit building. We even have a virgin cocktail option for any fans under 21. On the menu, we have our signature drink, the Night Owl Martini. It perfectly combines bourbon and cold brew with a touch of ancho chili spice, and it's guaranteed to elevate anyone's spirit. And one of my favorites on the menu is a drink called El Engaño, which means the deception. Handsome yet deceptive, this drink is a sophisticated twist on the old-fashioned, and it truly represents this establishment's seediest specter, Dowdy. We also have a botanist Aperol Spritz. It's fresh, herbaceous, and crisp, with a touch of bitterness that we can expect this building's strong female phantom, April, would surely appreciate. And lastly, we have our Hibiscus Palmer. Sweet, tart, and refreshing, this drink was inspired by the hardest-working spirit at the clay pit, Stedman. This unique take on the Arnold Palmer features house-made raspberry hibiscus tea combined with lemonade. You can have this one with spirits or without. Simply add deep eddy lemon vodka to make this drink haunted. So head on over to the Clay Pit, visit one of our favorite haunted locations from Season 1, and order yourself a drink off our Night Owl Hidden Spirits menu. Just ask for it behind the bar. Thanks for your continued support. Months had passed. It was already July, and we'd heard back from Martin and Veronica that things were much better now. The team and I had gotten extremely busy outside of the show and hadn't had time to physically return to check up on things quite yet. But in phone calls with Sarah, she was admitting a pull to go back. So I set up a follow-up visit with the hopes that maybe after all this time, we'd finally have Sarah actually pick up on the homicide. It was still a strange thing hanging in the air on this case. It was July 21st, two months since our last visit. It was early in the day and extremely windy, but otherwise very pleasant. We're back at the house. About to chat with Renee and Sarah. Sarah and I had actually gotten together on a visit to Royal Legion Tattoo just the day before. I didn't have my mic on me when she did this, but she began spouting off all this relevant information about two spirits that she was picking up at Martin's house. And I told her that she would have to relate this information again when we got back to the house today on record. So when you hear her reference this conversation... This is what she's talking about. Now the wind picked up a bit heavily in this moment, so excuse the audio in this segment. But listen to what Sarah says here. So, that I don't feel that one spirit right now, so I'm going to just take the tour and see what happens. But the two um, that we talked about yesterday, so the one um, female spirit that's got a lot of trauma surrounded by her is still here. And that one male spirit that's kind of a little bit, I don't know, he's a little bit trapped on the premise. 
And so I need to figure that out. And it's like a really weird, like I can't, I want to talk to him, but I can't, like, it, we have to communicate in a different method. So I have to really figure out how to get a better, because um, I want like his name and stuff like that. So that's going to be harder. So the male spirit is on the premise somehow. The Like he's somewhere here. It's like he's trapped. Like he can't go anywhere. The female spirit is more, it's more along the lines of trauma. She is, like, her emotions are really heightened, like something happened to her. It could have been, I don't know, it could have been accidental or whatever, but it is a very traumatic experience. Like she was fighting with somebody or, like, I don't know. That's the, that's what I'm getting. I'm getting, like, very, like, help me kind of off of her. Um, so those are the two things that I'm feeling right now. But that one spirit that Martin was dealing with I haven't felt him yet and normally I, as soon as we drive up the drive I'm like oh his presence was like now that's not what I'm feeling so to recap Sarah wasn't feeling the older male presence from before anymore at least not yet but the two new energies she was picking up on were a male and female spirit which eerily coincide with the two victims from the homicide then she started to get more details on the new male spirit and his death it wasn't nat- like not a natural death. It wasn't something like, oh, he got sick and died or, you know, like that. It was just really weird. It's almost like they, like his intention, the intention was to have him be dead. And now he can't go anywhere. Like he's just kind of s- stuck, like not moved on, not, I don't know how to explain it. And that's what you're feeling? Yeah. Have that you- the intent was for him to be dead. This is the first time Sarah has ever used that phrase. And if you notice, she didn't use the phrase murdered, but intentional death. Age range, you did mention some age ranges. So the age range for the male would be um, like uh, mid-40s to late-40s, like anywhere between 45, 48, somewhere around there. Um, definitely not not yet into his 50s, so he's in that, in that age range. And the girl... The girl is ranging in like late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in between there. I don't know. It's really hard to tell because I'm trying to get around the trauma to get an actual better fix on her. The two victims at this site were in their mid-40s. Now, Sarah's admitting that she can't get a really solid read on the female, and her first guess was younger. But one note to make is that in the photographs that I've seen of the female victim, including photographs of her the day that she was actually killed, she was petite dressed very youthful, and appeared younger than her age. She's too concentrated on getting help versus being able to communicate well. So I'm going to give her a chance to calm. And we'll walk through that. Like I'd like to walk through the back of the house to see if I can connect with both of them differently. Just because you never really mentioned these before, but they were kind of in the background. They were in the background, you. that's all. Can you describe like when you started to sense them? So it's when we first did the Olympia with Martin. Initially, I thought it was like passerbys, and then I, then after we walked around with Alexis, then I started like, oh, those are not passerbys; these are actually here, like on the premise. The first one that I felt was the male. That was the the first one I felt. It was the female that I wasn't until I wasn't quite sure if she's here on the property or not, or close to the property. Like I'm still, I'm still right now not sure, okay. but she's she's still here. So that's the weird weird thing but that other one's not so sarah is unaware of anything on this case but the confusion that i believe she's having here with the female spirit not feeling connected to this property is the fact that she wasn't 
She'd never been here before, and her first time ever visiting this home was sadly her last day alive. Okay, we're making our way up to the front door to see if Martin is here. Hey, is Martin here? Okay, we'll wait for him. Hey, how are you doing? Y'all good if we come in? Okay, how are you? Martin was waking up for a night shift and was still getting dressed. While we waited, I asked Veronica how things were feeling for her. Sometimes, I don't know, I don't, you know, I, I wonder, like, um, is that presence or whatever it is still here? Does it want us to leave kind of thing sometimes? Yeah. But Martin's actually mentioned, like, hey, do you want to move, you know? Um, this other guy that he's been going to see, they said something about... Um, possibly messing with my grandchildren because they're innocent and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe it's time to move. Um, Which is why I do the little crosses when they come in. uh, Because just in case, I mean, I don't know. I don't want anything messing with him. The team and I tried countless times to reach out to this other spiritual practitioner. He never returned our calls or texts and wished not to speak with us. So it's very hard to know how valid any of this information that came from him truly was. We also didn't like that a lot of his methods seemed to gravitate toward calling this older male presence evil or not with God anymore. And with our team, we've learned that 99% of the time, this is never true. Alexis once told me, there are no bad people. Life's circumstances bring out the bad behaviors or actions, but no one starts off as evil or bad. And in the case of spirit, sometimes things will upset someone who has passed on and they spiral into bad behaviors as a coping mechanism, much like we do as living beings. So I was concerned that Martin and Veronica were still being told to fear for their safety and the safety of their grandchildren by this practitioner. We don't know who the smell presence was, but I still felt that there was some reason for his actions. And for that, I didn't want to continue to call him or his actions evil. Can you update me on how, kind of update me after we left, how have things been overall? Mm, they've been a little better. Like that, that, well... Way better. But I've been getting a little weird again. Let's go to the back. Let's go outside where you... Where do you feel the most... Like, the most energy that you don't like? Mm, Up front. Oh, up front? Let's do that. Martin had been texting and calling again. This is part of the reason we scheduled another follow-up this time. But part of me wondered if this lingering fear and worry in him were merely a direct result of what this other practitioner was telling him. I wanted to see where he felt uncomfortable and get Alexis and Sarah's thoughts. And you just feel it generally out here? This is the, the main bedroom, the master bedroom's front-facing window. This was an entirely new area where they were experiencing uncomfortable feelings. Martin nor Veronica had ever reported anything here before, but now they both felt uneasy leaving their home through the front door. I wanted to explore this more. Alexis, how are you feeling in there? The house feels much better. He's saying he has a lot of issues up front now. In the front? Yeah, in the front. It might be just like everything's finding its way out there. But it doesn't feel bad. And the house feels good. Yeah. Out here feels good. At this point in time, Martin and Veronica had not heard about Sarah picking up on the new male and female presences on the property. So I wanted to move inside and have Sarah relay everything to them for the very first time. Inside, there were grandchildren and cartoons playing loudly, so it was tough to get good audio. So apologies on this next segment. 
a couple things that we that I want to talk about too is the property itself. So there's two spirits on the premise or people on the premise, one person at least particular that is on the premise somewhere. That one would be that I'm going to concentrate on today is the is a male. So he'd be a male maybe between 45, 48 years old, like not yet in his 50s but around in that time. And he was intentionally like the death was intentional. It was not accident. No, it was not like natural. not natural, not accident. It was intended to be that way. And he's not moving anywhere. So he's not leaving. He's not He's just kind of stuck. So he's kind of just on the property. And then the other is a female, and I'm still not even sure if it's part of the property or close to your property. I don't know if that makes sense. And she's just kind of reaching out, but she's more in like trauma mode. So for her, when she's talking to me, it's very like, like help me and rushed. And uh, like, it was like if her death would have been trauma, like a, that would have, could have been an accident, a fight, uh, that kind of thing, right? So that's what it would have been. So I don't know if she's actually on the property or not. So I'd like to kind of walk around and see if we can figure that out. Sarah was still not sensing the older male presence yet, but we were heading to the backyard to see what she could pick up on. Okay, we're making our way to the backyard, to the back door here. I don't know what this is. This is where I saw those elemental type, Mm -hmm. half animal type things here. It's like they were running from, because Alexis was walking that way, and they were running from his direction so they were coming here and somewhere here they were literally like digging and then there's is this water yeah yeah that's water the older hispanic presence wasn't seen or felt by sarah anymore she didn't want to say that he was entirely gone yet but that he wasn't making his presence known to her at least not today but before leaving i had come with the intention of finally revealing the facts surrounding the double homicide to sarah once and for all. Up until this point, she had absolutely no information leaked to her by myself, Martin, or his family. We were really diligent about this. So in this moment, we went over everything as best as we knew it, and by the end of it, Sarah now had more clarity on the stuff that she was picking up on these spirits. So this is an unsolved case for these for these people that lost their lives. Te- technically, it's still open case. It's open. Mm-hmm. That's the help. And the reason why he doesn't want to leave but wants to leave. But also, it'd be really interesting if you can have some sort of conversation with them, get any imagery, get anything, because I have photographs I wanted to show you as well. Prior to today, I had worked up a digital lineup, if you will. Photographs of random men and women along with a photograph of each of the victims. I had four male photographs and four female. Each had a unique letter assigned to them. I wanted to see if Sarah could pick them out in this lineup Something we'd never done with her before. Now this test is not going to really work unless you've actually been able to see them. So I have not. <laughs> okay, but maybe the pictures will. Maybe the pictures well, might incite something. But yeah. Some stuff out okay, let's do that and first. I left my notebook. Would you get it? Please? You I left it. It's in the. In no, the it's on the washing machine on the back. Okay. I just dro- I dropped it. I don't want to wrestle her, but let's try him first. Okay. You want to move to the back? She's going to be a little more tricky. Okay. Because I gotta narrow her down a little bit, and I gotta get her to stop um, screaming. 
She keeps leaving. All she does is scream at me. Mm. Anyway, but it's dark brown hair. We bought shoulder length. And something blue, but I don't, can't figure out what's blue. It's, it's a blue or darker blue, maybe like a midnight blue color. Something. I don't know. What about the man? Like anything else? Just a shirt, like it's a, like a weird-looking colored shirt. Like, um, I want to call it yellow, but it's not yellow. Jeans. But he's very clear that he's not, not that he can't go, that he like can't as far as something's keeping him here, but he just can't go. Like he himself can't go. He's trapping himself here somehow. The very faint details you're getting on the woman are what again? There. She's just uh, like uh, dark hair. It's just I can't get past her. She's the screaming, the torment. She's dark hair. She's a little. She's not as tall as I am, so she'd be a little bit smaller. Um. But very. I don't know. Her personality was. It's strong, but it's what I guess in her mind it wasn't strong enough. She still needs like help. She's asking for help but not telling me what to help with and then something blue like uh, I don't know like a blue I don't know, like I can see the color it's like a like a almost like a midnight blue color with some like like sh shimmer in it but I don't know what that is I don't know if it's a shirt or fingernail polish or I don't know I have to take a second to point out an eerie clue that surfaced from listening to this moment that we just heard during this investigation, the color blue and the words fingernail polish didn't make much sense to me at the time, and it would be months before I'd make any connection to this. But while Sarah was trying to connect and get more information from the female spirit, she kept getting the word help and then seeing the midnight blue shimmery color, and she mentioned fingernail polish. One of the male victim's close relatives had been in touch with me during this investigation, and one day they asked me if I'd like to see a photograph that she got from the male victim on the day they were murdered. She sent it via text, and it was a photograph of the male and female victim posing for a selfie together and smiling. As I looked closer and zoomed in on the photograph, it appeared her fingernails were of a dark purplish blue color, and they were shimmering with glitter. Now that alone was a little unnerving, but I also had knowledge from studying the facts of this case that one of the biggest unsolved mysteries hanging in the air was the fact that it was believed this female victim fought back, had her nails broken, and that there was DNA from the murderer recovered from under her fingernails. But somehow, this DNA evidence either disappeared, got lost, or was mishandled. So seeing this photograph and the victim's nails give new meaning to what Sarah had picked up on this evening on the property. Um, but that's all she's, that's all I can get from her, because she doesn't, she comes and goes. There's the men and there's the women. There's obviously the one, one of each is the right one, but I'm just curious if you're pulled to any in particular. These two are almost the same in my head. It's the same hair st uh, style. And for the men, it's mostly like this, because it's the beard with the, it's, like, it's almost the same, only the shirt's a different, the wrong color, so it's him. That is the person who was yeah. uh, killed. Yeah, that here. was definitely spot on because mm. of the beard and the, because that's what I drew. So Sarah got the male victim in one shot. She was having a hard time getting a visual read of the woman. She said it was really tough to even hear her, much less see her. The shape is, the, just the shape of the hair is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's harder. Well, at the end of the day, if you've gotten more from her, we'll look at it one more time and see, but 
Interesting that you went gravitated right to the the man. I didn't want to pressure Sarah into guessing, since she didn't have the visual information on the woman. It just wasn't fair. But without hesitation, she'd pointed out the male victim in the lineup, and that was pretty impressive to me. In the end, Sarah had hit a lot of validating points regarding the two victims. But Sarah admitted her experience with such energies whose last moments ended so traumatically was very limited. She didn't know how to help them from this point on. So we packed up, but I knew that there had to be something we could do for them. And I knew just the person I was going to call. A few months back, I met a veteran practicing psychic while doing research on a campfire episode. Her name was Elaine Ireland. I wanted to see if she could offer any advice on this issue. But what I didn't know was that when I called her, she'd actually begin remote viewing the location and begin delivering direct messages from the spirits themselves. So we're kind of at a loss, and I'm just curious in your history and your your vast experiences in, in, as a psychic and clairvoyant or medium, do you have any any input or any advice that you could throw our way? Number one, the, the male has tried repeatedly to get through to one of the investigators, and the investigator refuses to go with his gut because what they're suggesting is so far out of his scope he said, if I try, he keeps saying, if I try to bring that into the file, nobody will believe me. I know it has something to do with the DNA. Let me stop and explain something real quick. On this call, I did explain that there was a double homicide, and I explained the victims, but I left out all the fine details, including the DNA theory, so I was shocked that she was picking up on this so quickly. And then listen to what she said next. There is a third death on that property that happened back in the 40s, maybe the 50s. I don't know if anybody, and it's on the property, not in the house. It's on the property. That is also hanging. You know, if you could take a bulldozer to the back part of that property, I don't know what else was on. I don't know what's behind that. I I don't see anything except trees back there. But if somebody took a bulldozer back there, they would find bones. Some would be so deteriorated, it would just, it just might be a femur and that's all you could tell. But there are human bones back there. Now that doesn't mean that people were murdered and, and buried. It simply means that maybe a long time ago that was the only place there was to bury somebody that died. Period. That was it. I wish I could put you all two together. Sarah literally says there's human remains here and she's in the backyard. Now, the woman that was murdered, her confusion is that that was not familiar property to her. She was a visitor. And when they're in spirit form, they should be able to just go back home uh, in, in this case. But there was such a strong connection to her and the people that she was going to visit. It's like she, that's incomplete, incomplete business. She and that spirit knew each other from past lives, the man, but not real well from, well, they did know each other well, from this lifetime. But she's showing confusion because she wants to be discovered, she wants to be heard, but she doesn't know where she can best speak from where she her life was taken or where she claimed as home. So that's why she keeps going outside and then going back in. She's still trying to figure out where to go to get the best bang for her energy, so to speak. 
she looked at the man who was killing her and kept asking him, even right up to his last breath, her last breath, why are you doing this? You've got to be crazy. Why are you doing this? Why have you done this? The original, the first person that was killed on the property has hung there to protect the property. Now, their spirit, I want to say, feels bad, even though feels is not the right word, about not being able to stop it. Although, and that was a male, that male tried to prevent the murders by getting in the way of the person who committed them. Either standing in front of them, trying to confuse them, made them sick at their stomach. I can see the murderer throwing up. There was continued DNA on the property that they've not found or they've put away for investigative purposes, but they haven't followed the DNA trail. They haven't followed it. The authorities have not followed it to the best of their ability. That's where the solving comes in, is, is the DNA. But they haven't done it, and, and the cop hasn't listened to spirit. It will be solved. Nine times out of ten, spirits are not stuck. They willingly stay. Or they stay with an intention of the case being being solved. Sometimes it's only one person who, who finds the body, finds the murderer, finds the clue. It's that person's find because there's karma between the victim. And let's say it's not my find, it's your find, or it's a psychic from California, or I, I don't care, whoever. And only that person can get the clue, can get the message that solves the case. So if you start working with the land itself, which never forgets anything, if you talk to the, to the, to the animal spirits, if you talk to the American Indian spirits, if you talk to the spirits that have just simply walked across the land on their way to someplace else, and if you're willing to listen, you or whoever are willing to listen, you will get your answers. But you start at the back of the property line and you walk forward saying, thank you for helping us. Thank you for giving us clues. Thank you for putting words in our, in our head. I hear the male giggling like he's happy at what I'm saying, at what I'm telling you. And I know that this method works because I've done it, I've worked with this method, but taking your smudge sticks, be very careful about right now what you eliminate. You don't want to eliminate something you need. Let the spirits know that you are there to help them move on when they are ready to move on, when they have done everything that needs to be done in relationship to this case, to this particular murder. The spirit that is there, the original death there, and there have been many deaths that have nothing to do with this, but there was a murder there. And that person tried to, like, like spirit said a while ago, tried to present and couldn't. It's like that male is trying very hard to not have that happen ever again. That male can also give you clues. Now that male's going to stay. He's got another hundred years or so, our time, before he's ready to move on. The two, the woman and the man, they will move on when they're ready. The woman needs to go back to her home that she called home here on planet Earth when she was, before she was murdered. She, somebody can be called 
to escort her home to make sure that everything's okay there. She's already been home, but she doesn't remember it. And then come back here to help with the solving of her murder. But it's the male that was killed that's going to help, that's going to give the big clues. When they're ready to go, they will go. And, and I can see them going, not necessarily hand in hand, but side by side. And they'll get their chance to know each other better, she says, next time, whenever next time is. Most spirits know everything when they get to the other side, and they choose to be there for a reason. And when that unfinished business is done, then they'll move on to the other side and stay there and do whatever they're supposed to do on the other side, come back whenever. But she's not going to go until this is solved, and she will leave with the mail. Elaine got a few last notes from the older male spirit, who she believed died on the land many years ago. That man loved roses, and I don't know whether the man would take care of the rose bush or not. It needs to go in the front part of the in front the front yard. That's a gift to the man who's on the property. The man was happy there. He was happy there, and he feels like since he died, everybody else has come in there has caused havoc and chaos. They're within their family life not taking care of the property, not taking care of the house, and then now they're murders. Something that he would never have done to anybody else. So, and he loved plants, but he particularly loved roses. So, taking a little bit of tobacco to the back part of the property and planting a rose bush somewhere in the front and saying, see, now the house is immaculate, he's going to be happy with that. Anything that happens on property, Every spirit, everybody that's ever been there knows it, sees it, feels it. It's spirit to spirit, and spirit doesn't know distance. It's all energy. I had to say I was pretty impressed with Elaine on this call. She seemed to hit on a lot. The third death on the property being the male, his unhappiness with what happened on the land, the remains being buried in the backyard, and a lot of hits with the victims as well. I felt we needed to return to the property with this new intention and new game plan to do what Elaine suggested and make an offering to the spirits of the land and give them elevation, including this older male spirit that we'd been trying to cleanse and push away. And when I shared these thoughts about this final plan with Alexis and Sarah, they both agreed it sounded like the right thing to do for all involved, the living and the dead. Okay, it is August 18th and we're making our way back to the back of the property. Sarah, Renee, Tao, and Alexis and I along with Martina and Veronica. What we're going to do today is not so much a cleansing as much as it is a blessing. We're going to invite all the spirits that are around the land to come and bless this land, be a part of this land, and remind them that even though somebody put a house here and somebody committed terrible things here, that they are always allowed to come here and bless this property and be here. Because I think one of the things that's happening is that they're still kind of barriered around the property and they don't want to come on the property. And like, like you're always saying, you're afraid of the front. They don't, they're not protecting the front. They're not protecting the property. So we're going to invite them over here and, and let them know that this is their space too and they're welcome to come, the good ones, okay. to come and bless this place and, and be here. And we're also going to ask that they come and help the spirits that are in the house 
offer them elevation to help them and, and guide them wherever they need to be, whether they need to move on or whether they need to just learn more from where they are now. That's what elevation is, you know, is allowing that spirit to, to learn a little bit more about light and, and happiness so that they're not stuck in the same level that they are right now. Alexis warned us that this was a very long ceremony, and due to the fact that we were inviting all the land spirits onto the property, positive ones, that it was not uncommon to have strong emotions or feeling overwhelmed at times. I could already see Sarah was getting focused and zoned out, preparing for what was going to happen. And with the day quiet and the wind blowing through the trees, Alexis began the ceremony. Many of the songs are sacred, so I'm going to refrain from exposing them entirely. We all sat under a shade tree in the back left corner of the property. To our left was a creek lined with tall trees, and in front of us was an open field. Alexis had a large blanket of offerings laid out, and he offered many things to the land through burials and burning smoke rituals in his copalero. He sang many songs and recited many prayers. At one point, we walked the entire perimeter of the property, following Alexis carrying his smoke offering in a complete circle back to the shade tree in the backyard. Okay, so we've invited everybody here. Now it's take some time to listen, to reflect, to speak to the spirits that are here, give your apology, as well as thanking them for coming and and allowing them to, to come into the space and allowing us to hold this space. Now Alexis pulled out a cigar and explained that he was going to perform a blessing over each of us with the smoke from it. Tobacco is very sacred. We, we smoke it so easily without ever thanking the spirit. So since you've, essentially you're going to be living on a land that is filled with spirit, anytime that you decide to smoke a cigar, cigarette, just one second of thank you to the land for allowing me to have this. Okay? As we finished the ceremony, I noticed Sarah was looking into the open field behind the property. She seemed to be watching something with awe. Her line of sight was also fairly high, as if she was looking at something the size of a giraffe. She apparently was now seeing a large land spirit, or what we were calling previously elementals. And those elementals are so big. So big. That was so not what I saw the last time. Maybe we just weren't close enough. The thing that Ray drew, digging, is yeah, not the same? it is the same, just bigger. With uh, some magnitude on it. So. That is so cool. What, what in, the, in tradition, what are elementals? So, like, what well, are they supposed to represent, or what are de- they? It depends on what, what tradition. In this tradition, this is Mexica, they're the land spirits. Spirits that have never, ever lived as humans. They're spirits of the earth, so they're made of the earth. They can be big, they can literally be one element. So they could just be completely made out of water, made out of land, made out of lava, you know, whatever. Depends on whatever element they, that they are. But they are the spirits that we cannot control in any way, shape, or form. I mean, some people try to. But for us, all we're doing is saying, 
we're sorry, we're here, we know we messed up with your land and we're letting you know that you, you can have your land back as long as you help us with this. Sir, how, how big, you said it's big, like how big is big? <laughs> like a building size? It's like or? a good 10, 12 feet tall. Uh -huh. And big, like it walked around with you. Oh. And I was like, wow. I, didn't, I just wasn't expecting to see that, that was insane. So, and he's just kind of touring around around the property and it's almost like he was waiting to be let in it was like so he's really kind of like going through everything really well it's neat um, I think the most interesting thing I found was Martin every time he walks there was 12 people behind him and it's 12 people that look just like you it was weird the ancestors yeah so I think they were trying to help maybe that's what they're doing yeah and the guy from the property is very happy he's there's a lot of thank yous I think he just needed, he needed the rest. The older man, who was actually somewhere in there, between the hump and the tree. I think he's buried there. I think he's in there, yeah. Here, Sarah is reiterating that the older male spirit's remains are buried in this backyard. I found it incredible that Elaine picked up the same thing just via phone call. And in the end, Sarah felt that there wasn't a strong push from this male spirit to dig them up anymore. I don't know if there's anything that needs to be done for that. I don't think we need to do anything. He's just really thankful. I think he just, he was doing the combating all this by himself. And I think he got, there's something about Martin, I don't know, to peg it, but he needed, because he needed the voice. He needed someone that's going, that was going to give him, give him a voice. Yeah, and I think he picked on Martin, because you offered. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> After all we'd heard, witnessed, and experienced on this case, in the end, it all felt so strange. But my final theory on the older male spirit was that he was just angry and lost control of himself to some degree. He took things a little too far to get what he wanted. And ultimately, that was just to be heard. For it to be known that he didn't like that the land he held so close to his heart was now being mistreated and horrible acts were committed on its grounds. With our cleansings and blessings... It seems we might have offered elevation to him and given him more clarity of his role in the future chapters of this property's story. And that role wasn't to scare anyone off or to manipulate Martin anymore. So you may start to notice a lot more wildlife coming around here, like a lot more than usual, because anywhere that they are, the, the elements and the spirits, the, the wildlife come. So you might see more like deer, rabbits. And all they kinds never of come things. over here. They're always down yeah, that I've way. Never seen yeah. deer over here. You might yeah. start seeing them more over here. I then gave Martin the information Elaine had shared with me regarding the older male presence on the property. Since he was going to be sticking around, he had one request. She did give me a note and she said, Tell the current male resident he wants you to plant roses in the front. Hey, hey what, did, what did I tell you? What? Yeah. I, told, I told her I was going to put some flowers right there. Really? I, I drew it out and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, that's, why I haven't, that's why that thing's all torn up there. Ironically, Martin had already begun creating a flower bed in the front yard. It seems this male spirit had already gotten his message across. We packed up and left wondering if this actually would be the end of this case for us. It had been such a roller coaster. And although we weren't able to help the victims in a more tangible way, we left feeling we had done something good for them in spirit. The offerings Alexis made and the songs we sang would only help to empower their spirits and perhaps bring about positive change regarding their unsolved case. But I would be checking back in, as I always do. But this time, 
I was hoping that Martin would sound a lot different than he did on all our other calls. And I was pleasantly surprised. I've been doing a lot better. I've been getting better sleep. Way easier to, for me to wake up in the morning. Way, way easier. I've been waking up at 6, 6.30 in the morning lately. I mean, it's still a little spooky here and there, but it's not scary anymore. You know, I can be out here late now, and I won't feel a thing anymore. You know, as to where it was before, you know, before, like, once it started getting, like, close to 11, is whenever it would start getting real scary. There's a whole bunch of birds here at the house now. There yeah, never but, used to be birds here. You, so, you come out here and it feels good, man. Like, it smells nice. Like, it smells, like, pretty out here. Like, it never smelled like that before, ever. You know? And, and like I said, there's a whole bunch of little birds here now. Like, it's really nice now. After you guys left, grass started coming out. Like, it was it was just a whole completely different feeling, man. It was a completely different feeling. Um, you still drop parts off from time to time. Have you seen a change in Martin? Has he told you anything about it feeling better? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, he said he's improved a lot. He told me it has improved a lot, you know, and you know, and he told me about the his, the cleanings twice already, you know. He said, I never seen a bird or a rabbit, and I looked at him kind of funny, like, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, I'm pretty sure at your house you see birds. I said, yeah. And he told me, you know, I see birds now. We both started giggling because that's funny, you know, to me. You still you still see him from time to time? You still deliver parts to stuff? Uh, I haven't delivered parts to his house in a while, but he'll come by the store because he works nights. So he comes in the back and we'll bullwag. I tease him and... Yeah. Yeah, but you never know. I never really believed in that, but hey, I believe the guy, you know? Why would somebody make up stuff like that? Things have, have gotten so much better. It's not so negative here in the house. Like, we sleep better. You don't feel like somebody's constantly in the same room with you or watching you. It just, it just the environment feels so much more positive and clean. So I think that this, everyone coming out and helping and trying to figure out what was going on has helped a lot. So things have gotten so much better. Martin and Veronica admitted that they still occasionally felt something on the property. I mean, I still see a shadow here and there, but it's not scary. Occasionally outside, I'll get a little freaked out or scared, um, but I do leave early in the morning. It's still dark outside, so I think that's part of it. Alexis had some great final notes on this, and I hope Martin and Veronica really take it to heart, as well as many of you listeners out there finding yourself in a similar situation with spirit or hauntings. You know, the main thing with cleansings, this is something that we'll all learn, is that cleansings are temporary. They're not permanent. And eventually, somewhere along the line, you're going to get pulled back into that darker energy or you're going to get a spirit that comes and it gets attached to you again, et cetera, et cetera. So this is why, as a spiritual worker, I like to empower the people that I do work for by showing them how to do these things. Because if you don't keep up with it, it's going to eventually find its way back. The last call I made when this case was all wrapped up was to Elaine. I was curious if she'd have a different remote reading now that we'd performed a very special land blessing directly to address the issues hanging over this property. You know, while you were talking, I got wild white roses popping up in the back part of the land. 
White roses are meant as a symbol of hope, and they're, they're like a thank you in, in a way. There are still two spirits that will roam the property. The two spirits that are on the land are very much protectors. And yes, there are more than the spirits, lots more. There are many spirits that come and go from that property for hundreds of years. But these two have a vested interest in the property. I think it will be solved eventually. I, I think that whoever took their lives will be discovered, but not until after they have also gone on to the other side. The land feels uh, more gentle than it did the last time I went there in spirit form. It feels calmer all the way around the house. It trusts the spirits that are on the property and the land itself, the spirit of the land, trust the people that are now living there and that's huge you and your practitioners have done everything that you could do to help make that happen i'm not hearing anything like why didn't they do that or come on give us this or do one more thing i'm not hearing any of that there's just a nice soft silence Silence. What a wonderful thing to hear at the close of Season 2 for us. We took you to browse the haunted objects of Buda Antique Mall, down into the hidden haunted speakeasy of Buenos Aires Cafe, guided you along the dark trails of haunted pioneer farms, and invited you along to uncover the unsettling phenomena occurring in a private residence of a recent double homicide. This last series was a hell of a way to end the season. I can't tell you how much sleep I lost these last several months. But it was all worth it in the end, and we can't wait to take you on more adventures with us in Season 3. Season 3 will launch on October 28th with a brand new investigative series. We're thrilled to announce that we've been nominated as Best Local Austin Podcast in the Austin Chronicles 2019 Best of Ballot. We would love to end this season by taking home the win and claiming the title officially, so please, if you haven't already... Go vote for us at austinchronicle.com. I'd like to thank my team, Sarah, Alexis, and Franklin for going on these crazy adventures with me, Nicholas Fair and Petey Wilder for your talented musical contributions to the show, Jennifer for keeping us organized and on schedule, as well as assistant editing, my dad, Sam, for his historical research assistance, Alex for his help assistant editing, and my very supportive wife, Tao, for sticking with me all these late nights and long hours, and for taking amazing photographs on every case. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftworks Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. And to help keep this show going, and my team and I fed and caffeinated, Please support us for as little as a dollar a month on our Patreon page. This contribution not only helps me keep this show alive, you gain access to a ton of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. So please visit patreon.com backslash the Night Owl podcast and become a Night Owl patron today. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Oh Boy Print Shop. If you have the need for custom t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl podcast to get $50 off your first order. And don't forget to stop by the Clay Pit in Austin, Texas and ask for the Night Owl Hidden Spirits menu. Grab a special haunted cocktail and support the show. 
Thank you all, and stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free. (laughs) 